asking for a friend, finding answers to life's toughest questions as we survey the Bible for his answers. Uh, we came together, we asked you guys to text in your questions, uh, we asked you to fill out cards with your questions, and we collected this data of questions, and we had a, a whole lot of questions come in from all around the map, and then we surveyed them to find the ones that got the most asked. So the most popular questions, and we came up with these five questions that our church wanted to know about, right? So you guys asked, what happens to us when we die? How does a person know for sure if they're saved? What does the Bible say about the subject of homosexuality? How can we hear from God and not just ourselves? What does the Bible say about relationships? And we just categorize that as someone said, what, 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 what does the Bible say about dating? What does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about friendships? So we just called that relationships. And we're now in week three of the series. We've actually covered two of the questions. I want to encourage you if, you, if you weren't here for the past couple weeks, to go on to walkchurch.com. We have a little tab that says Sermon Archive, and you can see we've talked about how does a person know for sure they are saved last week, and before that we talked about how do we know that we can hear from God? How can we make sure that we're hearing His voice? Uh, with that said, we're going to jump into our new question this morning, and I tell you that uh, you don't know what question's coming, because we want you to be here for all the weeks. We don't want you to just choose, I want to only be there for that week. We want you to want to keep you on your heels. Um, and so this morning, as we prayed and sought the Lord on what to teach on this morning, what question to answer, uh, we've chosen to talk through the question, what happens after we die? What happens to a person, to their body, to their soul and spirit after they die? I'll tell you, friends, we saw numerous questions come in that had to do with this Topic. Some people said, hey, what happens to a person's body when they pass away? What happens to a person's spirit or soul when a person passes away? Does a person go straight to heaven? Does a person go straight to sleep? Does a person just hang out in the grave for a little bit? Does a person go to hell? Is there a purgatory? Is there a waiting room? Are we just having coffee and hanging out with the saints? I was like, man, this is a deep question. So we spent time asking the Bible these questions because we want to make sure that we're not just giving our own informed opinion or our own ideas, but we're allowing God's written revelation to us, his love letter, his capital S scriptures that is tested, that has been scrutinized to the highest level, that has been challenged for the past thousand plus years and still stays strong today, amen? amen. We, can, we can stand on the word of God and stand secure. If you're gonna plant your feet on anything, church family, plant it on God's word. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be confident about anything, if anything is sure, if anything is true, if anything's not gonna pass away, friends, it's gonna be his word. In fact, Jesus goes as far to say, I am the word. We have his word for us today. As we, say, as we shared in week one, God says that his word is timeless, his word is true, his word is infallible, his word is inerrant, his word is perfect for equipping us for everything that we need to be complete in this life. So then we ask these questions to his word today. What happens to us after we die. I went on to Google 
just, just to start off some of this study, and I, and I typed in, what happens? Immediately filled in the blank, after we die. I clicked enter. 1,830,000 times this question is searched. That many hits came up for this subject. Some of the top line items for this subject came up several books. Many of them written by, quote, Christian authors. Heaven is for Real by Todd Burpo, who shares the story of how his son went to heaven and had an out-of-body experience and then shared. There was actually a movie made about it. Heaven is for Real. To Heaven and Back by Mary C. Neal, New York Times best-selling book. 23 Minutes in Hell by Bill Weiss, who claims to have gone to hell and lived there for 23 minutes, but somehow made it back. Um, Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander, another New York Times bestseller. 90 Minutes in Heaven by Don, not John, Piper, um, who, who tells his story about his encounter in heaven for, I don't know how he timed it, but 90 minutes. <laughs> My Journey to Heaven by Marvin Bestman. And recently, in this week's headlines, another story was told about a, a father and his son who wrote a book called The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. Another New York Times bestseller, Kevin and Alex Malarkey. Pun intended. Recently, this book made headlines as the son, Alex Malarkey, came out and as this song we just sang, testified. Here's his quote. He said, I did not die. I did not go to heaven. I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. And we see this dad and his son in headline news because now they are suing the publishing company of the story that they lied about for profiting from their lies. It is a complete mess. It's a complete malarkey story. Um, so, so, and, and here's why I share that with you guys. There, there's, he's right. This young man is correct. If you want to know about somebody who ascended into heaven and descended into heaven, there's only one. And his name is Jesus. I'm not making this up. Check out Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. The author writes thousands of years ago. He says, who's ascended to heaven and come down? Surely you know. It's Jesus. He's writing that in the context. He's saying there's only one. Jesus writes in the Gospel of John. John chapter 3 verse 13. He says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. The Son of Man. Here, here, what I encourage you, brother and sister, maybe you've read those books, maybe you've watched those movies, and I'm not trying to, to, to devalue that or I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you, but friends, you don't need those accounts. You don't need those testimonies, and I would, I would challenge you to not give those testimonies more energy and time or praise than they deserve. And there continues to be more stories about people making things up that aren't even from the Scriptures 
that we need to watch ourselves and we need to test these things by the word themselves. Because we have his word. Remember week one. How do we hear from God? And we talked about the first authoritative way we hear from him is through his word. And I love what he says in 2 Timothy 3. He says, because his word is complete and ready to equip us. I just want to be equipped, amen? I want to be equipped for the false stuff. I want to be equipped for the true stuff. I want to be equipped for everything that God would have for me. He says, you can be if you read his word. So we're going to match his word up with the question today. How do we know what happens to us, family, when we die? This is a very real question, a very real issue. I want to talk about why it's a a very real issue. Uh, Because it's true, it's proven that 100% of the people that are in this room will one day experience something called death with the physical body passes away. Check out these statistics from Ecology Global Network that studies death. 6,316 people die each hour. Somebody say, wow. Wow. 151,600 people die each day, church family. 55.3 million people die each year. Keep that slide up. Some people are taking pictures. I want you to take this in. And at the same time, I just want to give a disclaimer that I know that this is a sensitive subject for some in the room. It's a sensitive subject for me in the room. I I want to handle it lightly. Um, I don't want to talk about this as something that is just, I I don't want to bulldoze through this message because I am aware that this is heavy stuff that we're talking about. And, and I want to encourage you this morning to just, to, to, to give, me your, uh, give me your word that you'll just make it all the way through. Amen? Amen. You give me the next few minutes to just, let's go ahead and talk about this subject biblically. Pastor Greg Laurie out of Southern California says it like this, only those who are prepared to die are really ready to live. Only those who are prepared to die can really approach this life with complete confidence that's what God's called us to do to approach this life with complete confidence and that's what we want to do I want to approach this subject confidently through the Bible and I believe that we can so would you join me one more time in a word of prayer Heavenly Father we come before you and if you would right now would you just open your hands up A hand open is a posture of receiving. God, we want to receive your word today. We don't want to block it. We don't want to reject it. We want to receive it. So teach us today out of your word for your glory. We know this is a tough issue, Jesus. So bring a sweetness to it. Bring a grace to it, God. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I've studied this uh, question, what happens after we die, according to the scriptures, I came up with three reality statements that I would encourage you, if you're a note taker, to write down, or if you're a, if you're a screen picture taker, to snap. Um, I want to give you these three reality statements here today as we look to God's word. The reality statement number one that I want to talk about is this. Death is appointed. Death is Appointed. The author of the book of Hebrews in chapter 9, verse 27, 
says it like this. He says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. God is saying, hey, there, there's an appointment for you at some point. We don't know when it is. We don't know what's going to cause it. But it is a death appointment. And, and we can go ahead and act like that's not true. Or we can align statistically with the 55 million people that had their appointment this past year. And say, man, I want to be ready. Father God, tell me how I can be ready for my appointment because it's coming. And we don't know when it is, but it is a reality. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, King Solomon writes this book of wisdom. He says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, friends, and a time to die. It's a season that we all walk through. He continues, he said, sometimes there's a time to plant, sometimes there's a time to reap, sometimes there's a, a, a time to dance, sometimes there's a time to cry, sometimes there's a time to embrace, sometimes there's a time to refrain from embracing. Right here, he kicks it off with the tough news. He says, there's, there's a point at a season under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. James, the brother of Jesus in chapter 4, verse 14 of his letter, does not encourage us much more here. He says, what's your life? Maybe you can ask the person next to you, say, what's your life? You don't got to answer it. But I think that you should ponder it later. Maybe you should answer that question later. Say, what is my life? What is it? What's going on in my life? It's a good question. For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Has anybody ever been in the cold? If you live in Las Vegas, not too much, even though our weather has been crazy, amen? Right? But, but recently I was, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and I, I, I took a breath, and it was cold outside, and I noticed there was a little mist that came out and then disappeared. And God said, that's your life. That's how long you got, man, to get it right. You may want to be prepared for your appointment. Prepared for your appointment. Al Mohler, president of Southern Seminary, says it like this. He says, death is not just some natural process in the world. It is part of the divine judgment on sin. Death is a verdict. But this is not the end of the story because the gospel, there's hope. But I, li I like what he says here. He says, death is not just something naturally that happens to everybody. Death actually has a beginning. It happens back in the garden. Do you remember God's, God's direction to Adam and Eve? He said, hey, you can eat from thousands of other plants and trees and fruits. Just stay away from that one. What's going to happen if you eat from it? You'll die. This is an appointment. God said, it's going to happen. And the enemy slithered his way in there. He said, you won't die. Just take a bite out of it. And they were tempted. And Adam not being the leader he should have been. And Eve not being the woman of God that she was called to be. Listen to the serpent. Friends, don't listen to the serpent. Speak back the word of God to the lies of this world. To the lies of the enemy. Hold on to God. God had spoken to Adam. And Adam just should have said, hey, stop talking to my wife, one. And number two, we're not going to be obedient to you. We have God. He's spoken. 
I don't need to listen to some serpent. And this crafty serpent deceived Adam and Eve, and they ate of the forbidden fruit and brought sin and death into the world. And here was the words that God gave to Adam. So God rebuked the serpent, God rebuked Eve, and then he rebuked Adam. And here's what he said to Adam in Genesis 3, verse 19. He said, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. In other words, he said, you're going to have to work really hard in order to provide food now. Before, it wasn't even that hard to work. It was easy work. It was just walk along the garden with your wife, pick some fruit, make some babies, and hang out. That was, that was heaven on earth. That was Eden. That is a, a paraphrased version of what God called Adam and Eve to do. Just stay away from that one. They were disobedient, and so God said, now you're going to have to work hard. He removed him from the garden. He said, yes, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The, the first ever death appointment in the scriptures given to Adam, which gave birth to humanity, which we are still under that today, which we need a living Savior who passed the test in the garden, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from that curse. Let's go ahead and continue to talk about it. Death is a very real reality. Death is appointed. If you understand what I'm talking about, give me a, I got it. Let me give you the second reality here today. Death is appointed, but soul and spirit lives on. Soul and spirit lives on. I want to go ahead and... Uh, and talk about this phrase. The reason why you see soul slash spirit next to each other is because scholars are kind of on a variety of different ways when it comes to this subject. Sometimes in the scriptures you hear of the phrase the soul and the spirit. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. And then sometimes you, you, you hear about how we're called to walk by the spirit or, or, or when our spirit is within us. Things like that. John MacArthur, who we often study with in his commentaries and his resources, I very rarely ever heard him say, I'm not sure. This is the, one of the only ones where he said, you know what, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? I'm not sure. He goes, here's what I do know. We got a body and then something that lives in it. It's the soul and the spirit. John Piper gives his take on this, another Bible scholar. He says, soul and spirit are like bone joint and bone marrow. Soul is that invisible dimension of our life that we are by nature. Spirit is what we are by supernatural rebirth. So there's this idea that we all have a soul within us, right? But it's when the Lord creeps in and awakens us and sends us his capital S spirit that we're born again, and now we no longer live by the flesh and just by the soul, but we live by spirit that God has given us. So, so when a person dies, if we go back to our defining reality, when a person dies, when a person closes their eyes and their heart finally gives way and stops beating and their brain shuts off, it's not a cease to exist. It's a transportation to a new destination with the soul and the spirit going somewhere, going to a new place. Now let's go ahead and talk about that from 
the scriptures. We see this on display in Luke chapter 23, verse 42 through 43. I think this is powerful right here. As Jesus is ministering to a thief on the cross who at one point came into the cross area hurling insults at Christ. Now we see in verse 42 and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 43, and he said to him, truly I say to you, say it with me that word, today you will be with me. In paradise, this verse of scripture has loads of implications for the person who says, I believe in you, Jesus. Jesus is not taking away this guy's physical death appointment. Jesus is fully making him aware that you are about to die. And Jesus is saying physically, I'm about to die as well. They're going to put me into a grave. But today you will live on. And actually, you won't just live on. You will join me in a place called paradise. Tell me if that sounds good. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but on the day I close my eyes, I want to join Christ in a place called paradise. Amen? I'm not reading into the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. Right? Jesus says, truly. Maybe you thought this was a, a, a topic to waver on. I don't know if Jesus really meant it or not. Well, that's why he said truly. He says, just in case some people are hating, or some people think that you're lying, or some people think that I'm not sure Jesus says, Jesus had enough strength on the cross, nail-pierced hands and feet, to say, truly, I say to you, very intentional, amen? I got, I got a message for you today. You'll be with me in paradise. This man's soul spirit went with Jesus to paradise. Philippians chapter 1 verse 23 through 24. The apostle Paul says, I'm hard pressed between the two. What two are you hard pressed between Paul? He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. Everybody say, be with Christ. Christ. He says, because that's better. Not only is it better, it's far better than this earth. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul says, for some reason, Jesus is keeping me here in the flesh. For some reason, it's better for you. And he says, I'm going to receive that. Yet, my desire is to depart. He says, I want my soul and spirit, I want my shell to stay here. It's already eroding and corroding and my knees are getting weak and my my bones, my teeth are falling out. I'm losing my hair. (laughs) Come on, right? Some of y'all got me on that. He says, I'm cool with departing. I don't like myself anyway. (laughs) My desire is to be with Christ. Here's why I want to share these phrases with you. Be with Christ. When the person dies, when a person physically dies, they go somewhere. Right? The thief says, I go somewhere. I go to be with Christ in paradise. Paul says, the minute I depart from this earth, I go to be with Christ. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. He says, so we are always of good courage. Wow. Paul, what gives you the, 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 the motivation to stay so courageous? 
Well, he says, we know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Verse 7, keep going. For we walk by faith, not by sight. He says, you know what? While I'm here, I'm on this earth. I'm not at home with Christ, but I'm here in the body and I'm walking by faith. Not by sight. Verse 8, yes, we are of good courage. And he tells us why. He says, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Everybody say, home with the Lord. He said, I would much rather be at home with the Lord. Be with Christ in paradise. It's far better to be with Christ. I would rather be home with the Lord. Verse 9, so whether we are at home or we're still on earth away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Whether good or evil. Death is not the end of existence. When we pass away on this earth, our spirit soul goes somewhere. For the person who has placed their faith, confidence, trust in Jesus, for the person who has a real, authentic, vibrant relationship with Jesus, you go somewhere And the Bible is explicitly clear. You go to be with Christ. Your body goes to sleep, right? Your body goes into the grave. Your body goes into a cemetery. Your body goes into ashes. Whatever that looks like, your body is asleep. It's dead. But your spirit and soul continue to live on. For the person who believes... They go to be with Christ in paradise at home. For the person who does not believe, there's a parable in Scripture that's written in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16. I would encourage you to read it at some point. And it talks about a rich man who we don't know his name and another man by the name of Lazarus who we know more about in the Scriptures. And both die and immediately they're taken to two different places. And it says that the man who did not know Jesus... We just know of him as an idolater of his stuff. He was a rich man who put his trust in his stuff. Has anybody ever saw a hearse hearse carrying a U-Haul? Like a hearse with a whole bunch of stuff. Not happening. This man placed his trust, his faith, his life in his stuff. It cannot save you. It cannot help you. It cannot do anything for you on that day. And it says that he was taken to a place called Hades where there was intense torment of his soul. So much so, there was so much torment in this place that he looks up and he's able to deliver a message. And the message that he declares, he says, could you just... He, he, he sees Abraham. And he says, could you just take your finger and dip it in water and put it on my tongue because it's so much hot torment down here. And then he says this. It's remarkable because Abraham says, there's no crossing back and forth. And, and he says this. Well, could you deliver a message to my family so they don't have to experience where my soul is at today? And notice what Abraham says. They got the word of God. If an angel went and told him something, he would just be telling them what they already got. They don't need a sign by some supernatural thing. They have a supernatural book. 
They need to listen to that. There's value in coming to church, family. There's value in sitting under the word of God. We're not playing around up here. There's value in going to charge group. There's value in taking time to start your day with God's word. I need to hear from his word. I want to be ready. I got an appointment. I've, under, I've, I've embraced it. I've had to just say, you know what? I don't know when it is, but I know that there's an appointment, and I just need to make sure that I'm ready because I want to be with Christ in paradise. I don't want to be in a place of torment. I want to be with Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, Paul says it like this in the book of 1 Corinthians 15. He, he talks about, it's actually a little poem that he references. He says it like this. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Right? Death died when Christ rose. Amen? That when we put our faith in Jesus... We go, we, we, we go to live on. Our soul and spirit continues to live on. I want to go ahead and take us into our third reality statement. Death is appointed. Soul and spirit lives on. And the third one is that judgment takes place. Judgment takes place. There is a very real reality in the Bible numerous times in the New Testament and even in the Old speaks of a very thing called judgment. Let's go ahead and turn our attention to the book of Revelation chapter 20 verse 12. John writes in the book of Revelation he says, and I saw the dead. That's what we're talking about, right? Great and small. Standing before the throne. What a picture to see. And books were opened. And then another book was opened. Which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books. According to what they had done. This is deep right here. Now, I want to go ahead and talk about what this all means. That on this specific day when there is this great white throne judgment, this judgment that is coming, the first judgment we've already talked about, it's the judgment of initial belief. Right? The first judgment, or the first resurrection, if you would, is if you put your faith, trust, and life in Jesus, when you die, you immediately go into his presence. But there, there hasn't been a resurrection of your body yet, which also talks about in the New Testament. There's going to be a, a new resurrection one day. A new heaven, a new earth, a new glorified body is happening one day. Right? But it hasn't happened yet. At that moment, before this, before this great white throne room judgment happens, we're just in the presence of the Lord, soul and spirit. But right here talk, takes us to this third reality. What happens after we die? At one point, there will be a judgment. Now stay with me here. Revelation 20, 12. He says that there is two books, right? And so let's just picture uh, Haydn. Picture me in, in front of the throne. What happens is Jesus will take out this first book called Final Judgment. 
And he'll say, all right, Hayden, you really blew it right here. We're going to give you a C. Right here, you did, you did decent. We're going to give you a, a B. You really did bad. Here, we'll give you an F. This was good. That was an A. You married the right one. Give you an A+. Plus. Come on. Amen. We'll give you those things. That's how you did, sir. And then he'll pull out another book. He'll say, okay, here's, he's got some D's, he's got some C's, he's got some F's, he's got some A's. There goes his book, Haydn's book. All of us have a book, friends. And then he says, all right, let me pull out the book of life. There he is. Covered by the Lamb. Set free, righteous, holy, blameless. If you got chains, chain breaker. Healed, forgiven, free. Bought by the blood of the Lamb. Right? Judgment right there. Lamb's book of life. That, that's what matters, friends. Final judgment. You got, you're going to be judged by all that. But, but the real, the, there's two books. Let's go back and read Revelation 20. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. John says, I saw the dead, great and small. Some big folks, some small folks, some famous people, some non-famous people. They're all going to stand before the throne. Jesus says, every knee will bow. Either you'll bow or your kneecaps will shatter. You're going to bow. Books were opened. Oh, man. This is it. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. The, the according to what they had done is crucial because I don't want to just move past my A's there because there are some stuff that I did that Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, I don't know what all that's going to look like. I don't know what all the treasures are going to be or what they're going to look like. I feel like when you're at home with the Lord in paradise, that's enough treasure for me. But if they want to add some treasure, I'm receiving it, all right? I'm not doing stuff just to store it up because I've, I feel like Christ alone is the treasure. But you know what, if I'm, at the dinner, if I'm at the Lord's lamb supper table and they pass me another filet mignon, I'm going to receive it, all right? Now that, I'm just saying, like, I don't know what those extra treasures are. That's a secret thing that belongs to the Lord. I just know I can store them up by my righteousness, by my deeds, by my serving one another, even by persecutions and standing firm in the Lord. It's the reality of the Bible. Anthony Hokema says it like this. He says, The failures and shortcoming of believers will enter into the picture on the day of judgment. But, and this is the important point, the sins and the shortcomings of believers will be revealed in the judgment as forgiven sins, whose guilt has been totally covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need that, church family. You need 
You need that. So in that moment, on the last day, when I'm, when I'm judged at the great white throne room judgment, and, and my folder, my book has been cleansed because I've been bought with the blood of Jesus, we see what happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 52. It says, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 15, but just stay with me here. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, that's what we're talking about, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be imperishable and will be changed. We'll be changed in that moment. Well, let's talk about what the change will look like. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a, a house in, a, in heaven and an eternal body made for us. An eternal body made for us by God himself. Who knew that God was... God is creating eternal bodies. Hallelujah. Not by human hands. He's creating eternal bodies that, that we will take part in. On, on the other hand, before we close, we see in Colossians 3, verse 25, worship team, you guys can make your way back up as we get prepared to, cl to close. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There's no partiality. There was a few people that asked questions. I just want to highlight these questions really quick. There were some people that asked questions. What about the people that just do wrong and seem like they just stay blessed? Like people that continue to live in sin. They scoff the church. They mock believers. They say, you're crazy. They live in sin. But they just seem to be happy and got it all going wrong. Oh, it's coming. The wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. Jesus says, what is this life? What is your life? I mean, what good is it to spend your 70, 80, 90? The, the oldest person in the world just died yesterday at age 117. Did you get that, that notification? 117, that's not that long compared to eternity. That 117-year-old wishes he had 117 more years if they get to the moment where they get their folder opened and don't find their name. Because here's what happens. No name. Let's judge you on your works. You got, you got Fs. You got failures. We can't... There's no... There's, the only failures that are in heaven are those who have been redeemed by Jesus. So if you haven't, if you're not on this side, revivalist preacher Paul Washer said, he said, death is either the greatest day of your life or the worst day of your life. It just depends what side you're on. You're either going to be like, yes, or you're going to be like, no. There's some times where atheists are asked this question, what if? What if you open your eyes, your soul's alive, and you stand before Jesus, your soul and spirit? And they say, well, it's not going to happen. But what if it does? I don't want to risk that. And I don't think we need to risk that. And I wouldn't encourage you to risk that because we have a God and Savior who loves you so much. He's done everything. Hear me, church family. Look at me. He's done everything to put you in this book. The only thing, hear me, family. 
The only thing that can keep you from this book is you rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why would you do such a thing? A good news gospel. The word gospel in the Greek, Godspell, it means good news. This is not good advice. This is not a good option. This is the good news that you must accept if you want to be in, if you want, if you want to be ready for the day that you meet the Savior. It's appointed. Let me give you that th- those three realities one more time. Those last three realities. Let's look at them one more time. Reality statements, church family. Death is appointed. You cannot deny it. Your soul and spirit will live on. You can believe that. This body is a shell and it's going to a grave. Judgment will take place. And you want to be ready. Let's pray.